This week, the Down and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Claritin D. And shout out to the folks at Claritin who not just sponsored the show, but also provided some samples as well. Tis the season to breathe pollen. Yeah, I've been spending a lot more time outside. Yeah, I can tell those allergies are definitely acting up. I feel stuffy. I feel sluggish. The eyes are starting to water a little bit more. That's why I'm turning to Claritin D. Look, it's definitely helped me relieve my symptoms. It seems to work really, really fast for me as well. It's designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongestion in your nose so you can breathe better. And hey, I'm noticing a lot of that right now. As a matter of fact, I'm looking forward to be able to enjoy much more outdoor time this spring and summer. A lot of that has to do with Claritin D. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. Before the ball drops, we are dropping knowledge. It's episode 450 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham, and yeah, 2023 right around the corner. It's been a wonderful year. Thank you so much for that. If you're subscribed to the show or if you just listen on occasion, thank you so much if you share. I really, again, really, really appreciate your support. And I'm going to do things a little bit different this week. I actually thought it would be fun to do some bold predictions for 2023. You know, what's going to be going on with DC, with Marvel, with Star Wars. I'm going to share a whole bunch of fun, bold predictions for you And maybe it'll drive you crazy. Maybe it'll make you think. But it's one of those things I thought would be really, really fun to do. So I'm going to go ahead and talk about five bold predictions for 2023 coming up. Plus a bunch of reviews this week. I'm catching up on some streaming. So I'll talk about The Witcher Blood Origin. I'll talk about Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan Season 3. We'll talk about the new Charlie Cox Netflix series Treason. And The Recruit from Netflix as well. That was one that really, really surprised me. So I can't wait to talk about all of those series with you. I know I'm late on some of these. You know, cut me a break. You know, it was the holidays. Now, I was a little bit behind, so we're going to catch up a little bit here coming up. But let's get to those bold predictions now. My bold predictions in the entertainment and nerd world for 2023. We'll talk about movies, TV, even comics. We'll do it next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. 
This is Matt Ryan from Constantine City of Demons, and you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Since we're heading into 2023, I thought I'd do something a little bit different this year than I have in the past years. I wanted to give five bold predictions for 2023 in the entertainment and nerd realm. So we're going to stick mostly in the nerd realm, going to get a little bit outside of that with a couple of different stories here. But I say stories, these are predictions. They're not, they're not actually stories. I want to make that perfectly clear. These are my predictions slash opinions. That's it. No inside information, no sources, no quoting, no nothing. Okay. So this is just my opinions on stuff that I think is going to happen in 2023. And we know that James Gunn said he'll be revealing DC's opening slate for their DC Studios movies sometime early in 2023. It didn't necessarily say January or anything like that, but it's going to be early. So now if it gets revealed after this airs, you know, don't at me because, you know, obviously this is coming out just before the new year. So, you know, if the reveals it on like New Year's Day and you're listening to this after the fact, you know, hey, maybe you'll see if I was right. But and I'm not saying that all of these will be in the initial slate, by the way, but this is exact. This is where I kind of think DC Studios is going to go. I think that the DC Studios slate will reveal a similar lineup to the Justice League animated series. Now, one of the reasons that I say that is, is I believe I've seen somewhere that James Gunn's kind of looked at DC animation and seeing the good things that they've been doing over the years. And that's not, I don't think that's just recently with the DC animated movies, which I think have been stellar over the last five years for the most part. You got to look at that and understand why that is. And, and look at, you know, why are they doing things so right and everything doesn't seem to go as right in the live action. And James Gunn knows what fans love. It might be tough to execute that sometimes, especially on a large scale. And you don't necessarily want to make decisions based on fan service. But I think that James Gunn knows, and I'm not putting words in his mouth by any stretch, of course. I think James Gunn knows that a little bit of fan service is needed to kind of kick things off with DC Studios. You need to give fans something that'll make them go, oh, I'm excited about that. Not just the fact that, you know, maybe we're getting another Batman movie, something like that. You got to give them something that'll make them go, okay, now that's exciting for me. And it's no secret that the Justice League animated series has been well-loved by fans over the years and that lineup in particular has been very popular with fans. Now, if you don't know the lineup for the Justice League animated series, here it is. The core group. Of course, you have other appearances from other characters. But you have Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, The Flash, Green Lantern, which is John Stewart in this particular case, Hawkgirl, and Martian Manhunter. I think that's a good lineup to have. you got some heavy hitters that you can use for your first initial slate of releases. You've also got some characters that haven't really gotten their due on the big screen. I mean, the only time we saw Martian Manhunter was in the Snyder Cut on the big screen. As far as Green Lantern goes, <laughs> the less said about that, the better on the big screen. Hawk Girl has not been represented yet. We've seen Hawkman, but not Hawk Girl yet. And I just think that this is also a chance to do something different with The Flash. I also think there's a chance they could go a little bit different and... and get rid of Barry Allen for a bit with everything going on with Ezra Miller and actually use Wally West as the Flash 
for their Justice League. Now, I don't think they're jumping into the Justice League early on. I'm just saying I think this is the lineup that they're going to use in the beginning because Marvel did a great job in the past of saying, okay, yeah, we're going to start with Iron Man, but here's who we have. They introduced their core, and then they went kind of went from there. And when I say core, it wasn't just the fact that they had Captain America and Iron Man and Thor and so on in their first slate of movies. They also introduced characters like Black Widow, like Hawkeye in those movies. Then that way you can go, okay, here's our Avengers team that we're going to use. I think that they'll use a similar path here with DC Studios. So you might not necessarily have a Hawkgirl movie, especially in the early going, but that is a character that I think you'll see in another movie in some way. And that's how she'll be introduced as maybe one of the members of this core team. And I think the same thing probably for Martian Manhunter. Now I I'm that doesn't mean that this first slate of DC studios movies is going to have all of these characters in it. I think there will actually be some that won't end up being in the core justice league type characters that will maybe get movies. But, and of course, you know, there's also a chance that they do something with the Suicide Squad characters as well and, and, you know, branching out from that a little bit. But I think that's the lineup they're going to go with because I think A, it's a solid lineup and B, it gives, it makes fans go, oh, that's something that's, that's a little nostalgia hit in the brain right there. And you go, okay, so I recognize that. I think this is good. Plus, I think John Stewart as Green Lantern just makes so much sense for so many reasons. I, I I don't think you need to go Hal Jordan here. I think the strongest leader of the Green Lantern group is John Stewart. I think that's kind of what you need when you're doing Green Lantern on the big screen at this point. And James Gunn did say that the Green Lantern series was still an active development. So establish John Stewart and let him be the Green Lantern. And if you want to use Hal at some point, use Hal. But you still have to distance yourself, I think, from Hal a little bit just to make this thing work in the early going. And and this also and this lineup of the Justice League also removes Aquaman, which after Aquaman two, I kind of think that's when you kind of let things you know let things lie a little bit. You know that gives you the chance to recast Jason Momoa as Lobo, which it just seems like that's going to happen because it makes sense on so many levels. And I think that's a character that could do really, really well, both on, you know, either on the big screen or or in a series of his own. But I think big screen, you could take a swing with Lobo and really, really make that work. So I think that that's something you could do. And, you know, again, and that gets rid of the Amber Heard problem as well. Not taking sides right now. I mean, I've taken sides on social media, but I'm not taking sides. I'm not telling you what it is here, but you know, you're getting rid of problems. And I use that in, in in the kindest sense of the word, you're getting rid of stuff. That's a distraction to your movies. Let's put it that way. The, the, your, your, the story of your films should be the star, not the story of the people that are playing them. And that is one thing that obviously you want big name stars to play these characters. You want to get the right people for the job. But you also don't want the story of what's happening off the screen to, to off the screen to take precedent over what's happening on it. And I think that by eliminating those problems in this first slate, I think that'll be I, I think that that's just the smart thing to do. And you're and you're eliminating it without eliminating it. 
You're, you're, you're not saying, okay, this person's fired. We're just going to go on without you. You're just eliminating it entirely. And you could revisit Aquaman at any time, any time. And you could recast that role years later. I don't think, I love Aquaman, but I don't think anybody's going to be clamoring for another Aquaman movie over the next five years. So you could always reintroduce Aquaman when you're ready. Or it could be, it could even be a character that just sort of shows up when he's needed. And again, you can recast that character because they're going to recast a bunch of them. So why not? That's another one of those characters that could just show up in any of these movies, but wouldn't necessarily have to be a core Justice League member once you're saying, okay, this is what's going to be our Justice League, and then you get to the Justice League movie when you get to it. So I think that that's what what they're going to do. Also, by the way, a little nugget, I think this Blue Beetle movie is going to be a sleeper hit. I think it's going to be one of the big sleeper hits of the year. I've got a good feeling in my bones about this Blue Beetle movie. I think they're keeping it on the slate for a reason. I think that they realize that they have something in the casting and in the story. And this is a character that could really, really do something. Again, not necessarily as a Justice League member, but you don't always have to focus on your core on your core main group members. You have to, and, they've, and again, Marvel has shown that. You've got to focus on just, not just your Avengers, but the people around them as well. And everybody can come together at any time for a big event if you need them to. So watch out for Blue Beetle. And I, I think that this is just initially, I think this is where they're going to go. I think we'll get some Nightwing news as well in 2023, whether it be for a series or for putting them on the big screen, which I think that the, I think they'll put them on the big screen. I think you kind of have to at this point. So let's move on to Marvel though, for my second bold prediction of 2023 and maybe this isn't maybe this isn't too bold maybe you think that you know i'm kind of copping out here but i think that marvel studios series are going to outshine the films in 2023 and i get that the maybe by the sheer volume you could make that argument but at the same time look you've got ant-man 3 ant-man quantumania ant-man and the wasp excuse me ant-man and the wasp quantumania you have guardians of the galaxy volume 3 and the marvels that's your that's your Phase 5, 2023 slate right there as far as movies go. And then, presumably, okay, I can't guarantee all these are going to come out in 2023, but you've got Loki Season 2, Secret Invasion, Agatha, Covenant of Chaos, Echo, and Ironheart. That's your slate for a series. Now, are they all going to be winners? I can't, I can't promise you that. But what I can say is, is that if you stack that up, excitement-wise, against what you have on the big screen, especially coming off of like Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and what we had this past year, I think you look at these movies and you go, eh, okay. There's nothing to me that you look on that list and go, wow, I, I, that's the one I need to see that. Now, there's plenty to look forward to when it comes to Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I think they've got some, some good, you know, a good basis there. But at the same time, it's like, I'm not super excited for it. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 seems like, you know, the goodbye for those characters and for or for that story. And and I look forward to it for that reason, maybe, but I'm not super excited about it. And the Marvels, I don't, I don't know a soul that's super stoked for the Marvels. So then you look at these series and you just look at the just sheer volume of what you're getting for one. But for two, the unique types of stories that you're going to get, plus the continuation of the Loki series, which is hugely popular, 
how can you not be more excited for these series than for the movies? Plus, Secret Invasion, again, it's one of those where it's either going to be really good or you're going to hate it. I think that this is going to be a love or hate type of, type of thing, and I'm just really hoping the story is not too slow. The Agatha Harkness series is just something that fans have been looking for forever. I think Ironheart had a good introduction in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I think Riri has a chance to be a big character going forward, but this series has to work. And Echo, again, I think Echo, if we don't get one of these this year, I think it might be Echo. They might kick that can down the road a little bit, but that, again, that one has some promise too. But I'm just, I find myself more excited for these series than these movies. And I'm not saying the movies aren't going to make a ton of money because they probably will. But I think chatter-wise and what keeping fans talking, I think these series are going to do that far more, far more than these movies will. And I know maybe it's not a fair comparison because movies come out and then, you know, a couple of weeks later, the chatter sort of dies down. And with a series, you get episodes weekly. So it allows the chatter to continue. When something's good, really good, the chatter is going to continue regardless of how long it's been out. And you know that. You know that. And again, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is a perfect example of that. The chatter continued far beyond its release because it was good. So, and, and that's true of a lot of, you could say the same thing of the Batman. The Batman was the same way. So it doesn't really matter. Now, the longevity of having like months long chatter, I get you can't have that. But I think as far as fan excitement goes, you're going to see that these series are going to f- far outweigh the movies here for the start of Phase 5. Now, Phase 6, I think it's going to be a different story, but, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Speaking of series, this may be, again, you might not consider a bold prediction, but I'm going to go out here and say there will be no new Star Wars feature films announced this year. Well, this coming year in 2023. I think that Disney's on to something. I think that they're realizing that even if you miss with a Star Wars series, A, financially you're not really going to take as much of a hit, and B, the memory's a little bit hazy on that compared to feature films. When you do it wrong on the big stage, on the big screen, fans are going to remember that and hammer you for it forever. This latest trilogy shows you that because people are still upset about that. Whereas if you have a series that's kind of, eh, it was all right. You don't really hear a whole lot of chatter about that. But I mean, you've got Mandalorian season three to look forward to. You've got Bad Batch, which is going to be coming out really, really soon. Season two of the Bad Batch. And then you've got, you know, Skeleton Crew that's going to be coming. Ahsoka is going to come in 2023. So again, going back to my Marvel example, a lot to be excited about for Star Wars. And I don't think you go to anybody. I don't think anybody is going to go, you know, what's going on with the movies? As long as you're giving people good content, what do they have to be upset about? And I know that you're not getting the big budget box office gross for a movie, right? But again, if you do it wrong, you're not going to necessarily get the best return on your investment anyway. And I honestly don't think that they have any idea what they want to do with these movies going forward. I think that there's been chatter about what they want to do. I think they're talking about 
where they want to go with Star Wars movies. And of course, you know, Rogue Squadron, they, they is is it still in development? Is it not? Patty Jenkins has kind of said the door's not closed on that completely. So, you know, maybe that's something that we hear a little bit more about. But again, that's already been announced. So that doesn't count. I'm talking about new stuff. There's gonna be no new stuff announced in 2023 because they don't know what they want to do. And why do they need to think about it right now? That's the other thing. Don't force the issue. What you're doing right now is working fine. You don't need to do anything else. You're very focused on the Mandalorian right now and spinoffs of that. That's working for you. Don't mess that up. Don't mess that up by feeling like you need to get Star Wars on the big screen. We had Star Wars on the big screen for decades, decades before we finally got a live action Star Wars series. I know Clone Wars fans are going to say we've had live action Star Wars on TV for what? Okay, that's true. I'm talking about live action specifically. You have a chance to really build something with these series and continue to do that. And it builds the Disney Plus brand, by the way, which in the streaming wars right now, and and it is really heavy. I think the streaming wars are only going to get you know more competitive in 2023. Maybe we throw that as a side bold prediction. But there's absolutely no need to force a new announcement of a Star Wars movie in 2023. Take your time. Figure out what you want to do, where you want to go, and who's going to do it. And I'm not talking about Kathleen Kennedy because I don't think she's going anywhere. What I'm talking about is your creative team. Creative-wise, who wants to tackle the next chapter in Star Wars? Because whoever does the next Star Wars movie to try and turn the page from the Skywalker saga, which is what they want to do, do you understand, do you fathom the pressure that that is? That's almost double or triple the pressure of trying to continue that story with the last trilogy that J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson did. That is almost worse because where do you go? Now, you could argue that, you know, hey, if you didn't like the ending of the Skywalker saga, you're like, well, you could do whatever you want because you can only go up from here. That's not true at all. You could really screw this up. So there's a lot of pressure, and whoever takes over and tries to write the next chapter in this Star Wars world where you're moving on completely from a core group of characters that have been beloved for decades. Try doing that. That's difficult. So don't think that this is something you can just rush into and decide on a whim and go, okay, so this is what we're doing. You better get it right. You better get it right. Now, you can always go back. You can, because they clearly are. They're still using stories from the same, you know, different points in the timeline of the Skywalker saga, even though they say they're moving on from it. You kind of are, but you're kind of not right now. So until you figure out what you want to do, and I don't know the High Republic has given them a ton of confidence, the, the, the publishing initiative. I don't think that that's given them a ton of confidence of, well, we could just do this on the big screen. I mean, some of it's worked and some of it hasn't, whether it be in the comics, the novels, what have you. I don't think that they've gotten enough of a huge fan response from that that makes you go, wow, this is this is something we could put on the big screen right now and be successful. The vi- they've gotten more popular opinion from the video games 
than they have from the publishing initiative. So just something to think about. You know, focus on the games which have done well. Jedi Survivor is going to be coming. And focus on the series. And you've got, you know, good things going on in animation for Star Wars as well. Just focus on that for now. Don't screw it up. Just keep the momentum rolling for now. And then, you know, once you're ready, then we'll talk about movies. We know that streaming services have kind of made us angry this year, right? And I'm looking at you, HBO Max, taking away a bunch of stuff that we weren't done watching and you took it away. I'm not just saying this is exclusively for HBO Max because, you know, certainly Netflix is guilty of taking stuff off of its streaming service. Disney Plus has taken some stuff off from time to time. Everybody's guilty of it, okay? It's not like there's a streaming service that's just kind of not done this. I think that this will drive the sales of physical media back up again in 2023. Now, is it going to be a meteoric rise like comics had in 2021 where they had like a 60% sales increase of comics and graphic novels, I think it was, in 2021 during the pandemic? I don't think we're going to go that far. I don't think people are suddenly going to be buying Blu-rays and DVDs and 4Ks in droves again. But I think what this is going to do is make people think twice about not doing that. And I think it's going to make people think twice about just buying digital copies, which I'm, I certainly do that from time to time. I feel like if it's something I don't necessarily need a physical copy of, or if not, I'm like a huge fan of the box art or something. Yeah, I'll just buy the digital movie to save a couple of bucks here and there. But again, I think you need to realize that when you're buying a digital movie, you're buying the rights to stream that movie. You're not necessarily owning it, owning it. You own it, you can download it, but you don't own it, own it. You own the rights to that copy of it. So at any time, they can start charging you for that service or charging you for that locker, per se. Is that going to happen in 2023? No, I don't think it will. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon because the, just the, the sheer outrage of that would really just blow up in Hollywood's face. I don't think they're going to do that. But with streaming services starting to take stuff away more and more recently, I think that the entertainment going public is going to panic a little bit and say, well, I mean, if they're going to take this away and I've got no place so that I can watch it, then I'm going to have to buy it. Where, where's the DVD? Where's the Blu-ray? And, you know, key, and including the free digital copies and stuff like that, especially for series, is key. I am much more likely to buy a series on Blu-ray if you give me the free digital copy with it. So when you're looking at shows like like Cobra Kai, or, and I'm not saying that Netflix is going to pull Cobra Kai from the streaming service. I'm, just, I'm making that very clear right now because they're not going to. But... You look at shows like Cobra Kai, Peacemaker, which is on HBO Max, things like that, Titans, Doom Patrol, and you're looking at just how things are being pulled off of streaming services when they no longer you know, suit the streamer or the company that, that owns the streaming service, and they just yank it, and you go, well, you know, I guess I can't watch that now. Buy the physical media when it's available. It's not always going to be available, but... Those physical media options, if you really want to see something, and if you think about it, it's what, 20, sometimes 30 bucks for a season, and movies are about that, maybe sometimes a little bit less, especially if you wait a little bit. If you buy the physical media, you own it forever. 
That is yours forever. Nobody's going to come to your house and from like Warner Brothers or Disney or anything like that and rip the DVD or Blu-ray out of your hand and say, you can't have that anymore. You can watch that. You own it. It's in your house as long as you don't wreck it or it doesn't get stolen or it doesn't get burnt to a crisp. You own that sucker. Nobody could take that away from you. So think about that for a second. A streaming service tomorrow could take something off of its of, off its service because they feel like it, but they cannot take that Blu-ray 4K DVD out of your hand. And I think people are going to start to realize that more and more, and they stop buying physical media. I think that's something we're going to see more in 2023. And I think that it would probably be maybe not as high as 60%, but I could see a 25-30% jump in physical media sales in 2023 just my prediction. We can rewind this back close to the end of the year and see if I'm right or I'm a complete idiot. We'll do that with a lot of this stuff, though, I'm sure. Last thing I want to talk about is comics, which, again, has seen, saw a huge increase in sales in 2021. Rumor is, is that 2022 won't be as big of a jump, but certainly kept pace with last year. Comics are enjoying a big, big boon right now, but not everybody. So my prediction is that in 2023, we're going to lose at least one publisher. And I'm not talking about like an, like a small, small indie publisher. I'm talking about a publisher that you know. At least if you, if, you're, if you know comics, you'll know this name. I'm not talking about, you know, like Image isn't going anywhere. Dark Horse, boom, none of that. They're not going anywhere. I'm not saying that. I'm looking at Aftershock. I'm looking at Valiant. These are, these are publishers that you should know if you're a comic book fan that have been around. Well, Valiant's been around for a while. Aftershock, not so much. Only, the, only like the last five years-ish, I think, is, is what Aftershock's been around. So I think that the reason I say Aftershock is because they just recently filed for bankruptcy in the state of California. And according to Popverse, they, they're dealing with about 10 to $50 million in debt. Right now, they are being allowed to stay in business. The creditor apparently looking to take over Aftershock. So that's something that you, that's one you really need to keep an eye on because when you file for bankruptcy, that's never a good sign. Now, can you recover from that? Yeah, absolutely, you can. But when you're getting less than 1% of the market share monthly, typically, that's typically what they do. They're, they're usually less than 1%. That's not exactly raking in the dough to be able to pay down your debt quickly. So... And if, if there's ever any trouble paying creators, anything like that, and I'm not saying that there is, I'm not saying that there is. I mean, you can read what you like on social media. I'm not saying I know that there's a problem. I'm not saying there is. I'm not saying there isn't just saying. So you're, you're not necessarily, obviously the business model is not working if you, if you file for bankruptcy. So it just seems like it, it, as good of stories as they've told in the past, it looks like Aftershock's in a little bit of trouble. And Valiant, for them, I love Valiant. I think that their stories have taken a step back recently. I think they're not as good as they were since they were sold to, I think it was DMG. I don't think their, their comics have been as good as they were before. I'd like to see them get the band back together with Dinesh and company and see what they can do, maybe build things back up. But they're releasing so few books now. And that's part, and, I, and again, that's, I'm sure, partially a financial decision. And you just, you release what you can. They've got Bloodshot, that they, they've got a Bloodshot book that, that's, that comes out. 
monthly now and and you don't really get much beyond that. And when you scale back that much, it's hard to get your name out there. It's hard to make sales. It's hard to revive your brand when you can't put out books every week. And I mean, they were, they were good for at least one or two books a week. And they would have really good event series. Now you're getting none of that. And again, I get part of that is financials. And part of that's maybe your owner thinking comic book sales aren't what they used to be. They're not the be all end all. And when the Bloodshot movie didn't, you know, make money in spades, maybe they went, eh, well, guess this isn't, isn't really as profitable as we thought it was going to be. It is though. Valiant is such, they have such rich characters and so many good stories that they could tell. You go to any comic book creator, I'm talking any, and you tell them you could go write any character you want for Valiant. I would almost, I'd be willing to bet that 90% of comic book creators that you go to would be able to pick up the ball and run with a Valiant character and love doing it. I mean, XO. Ninjack, Bloodshot. If you don't know these characters, you should. Okay? You've got Quantum and Woody. There's so many good characters that have been created in the Valiant universe. This is a brand that should be better than it is right now. And it's sad that it's not, but this is a brand that should be better than it is right now. So I do think that we'll probably lose one of those two in 2023. Hopefully not both. But I think everybody else, I think Image is, is only on the rise right now. I think Boom's doing fantastic things. I think Dark Horse, man, Dark Horse has been good in the last year or two. They really, really have. So I'm really excited for what they've got coming up. And IDW might have saved themselves by announcing a bunch of TV projects that are going to be coming here soon. Not necessarily in 2023. I think we'll get more information on that this year. But they announced a big slate of TV projects coming. I think I talked about it a couple episodes back. If you want to go back to, I think, episode 448, I think is when I talked about that, to, to learn about which titles are coming. And I think we're only going to get more of that. I think maybe IDW might be starting to save itself coming up this year as well. But those are my five bold predictions for 2023. If you want to add one or if you think I'm an idiot, make sure you always reach out on social media at down to nerdy 757 on Twitter, at Down and Nerdy on Facebook. You can also, you know, go to downandnerdypodcast.com, reach out to me that way. Maybe I'll even read some of your reactions on next week's show, especially if you think I'm a moron, or if you've got a really good one, I might go ahead and talk about it next week. But those are my five big predictions for 2023 in the nerd world and beyond in the world of entertainment. Let's see, you know, maybe we reach back into the time machine here later on this year, or if one of these happens, then we'll go back and talk about it as well. But there's some reviews to get to. Last set of reviews for the year. I'll start off with The Witcher Blood Origin. We'll do that next. I'm James Witham, and this is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? 
Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. This is Aaron Pierre from Krypton on Sci-Fi, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. So much like you, I was doing Ken some catching up on a little bit of streaming over the holidays, so I thought I'd give some reviews, starting with The Witcher Blood Origin. I mean, I could give you some spoilers, I guess, and maybe I will to a certain extent, but honestly, first let's get to the plot of the thing, if you could call it that. You know that it's set more than a thousand years before the events of The Witcher. You've got the seven outcasts in an elven world. This is this is the, like the golden age of the elven world. Two, by the way, they're joining forces in a quest against this all-powerful empire, all-powerful evil. They're, at the beginning, you see a shadow regime put in place. You know, everybody thinks they've got the power, and one person thinks they hold it. They're willing to sacrifice anything they can to get it, and that's usually a stupid move, and it's also a stupid trope. And it ends up biting him in the ass towards the end of the uh, end of the show. But here's the deal with this thing. And, and, and as I'm watching this first episode, it seems like it goes into things, assuming that we know certain things about certain characters and that the story and we've already seen part of this story before. We haven't, though. That's just it. This this makes us makes us think we're crazy, assuming we know certain things about characters that we really don't. Some of which we are meeting for the first time, by the way, and right away this thing tries to connect itself to the to the Witcher series, the the flagship series. Right away, it's like, hey, by the way, remember this is the Witcher. So right away, I'm thinking that can't be good, right? If that's the first thing that we're seeing, you know, it's like the shiny keys of just remember this is over here, sort of thing. And then once you jump into the actual story of Blood Origin, it, it gives you things about the characters that. They don't earn. I mean, like, right away. Other than the fact that, oh, well, this person has this certain skill, and this person has this certain skill, and it's like, oh, you okay, you figure that out. But as far as depth of the characters, they don't really give you that on any of them. It just it throws a pile of trouble in these characters' faces and in our faces and expects us to just go along for the ride because it's The Witcher and because, you know... You're going to follow up because you love the franchise. This thing felt so thrown together. And I don't normally say that. This was a hard, hard watch. Only because the story was, you know, it borderline didn't make any sense, if I'm being honest. And it's, it's a story you've seen a thousand times before, and I just told you what the plot of it was. And if I just told you the plot, you could pick any number of things that this is based off of. And it goes with the whole rebels, the rebel thing. And, you know, maybe, you know, you liken it to the Hobbit. You liken it to maybe a Star Wars in a certain sense. And the fact, you know, we've got the band of rebels. We're going to fight against this evil alliance. And we're going to come on on top because you should fight because of X, Y, and Z. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess that that's a trope that's worked so many times. But when your story literally jumps all over the place like from one thing to another and just leaves out a whole bunch, that's a problem. And maybe it's because it's only four episodes. But you know what? I can only imagine how much of a mess this thing would have been if they had more than four episodes. Could you imagine how much they could have dragged this out? Could they have given us more character depth? Sure. Yeah, they could have, and they probably should have. But 
at the same time, like if this is how they're going to structure this thing, then I don't know that I would have wanted them to have more episodes. Do I put this on any of the actors? No, not necessarily. I thought Sophia Brown did fine. I think Lawrence O'Farren did, did fine. I think that, you know, Michelle, Michelle Yeoh did fine. I think there was a lot of people in this cast that did a fine job with what they were given. The problem was is that they weren't given much. It's almost like you wonder what they left on the editing floor is one thing that makes me scratch my head a little bit. It's like, okay, if this is what you gave us, what did you leave out? And why did you leave it out? We've certainly seen series take oversized episodes before, right? This is not a new thing. You could have given us, like, easily. I mean, look what Stranger Things did in its last season. We had oversized episodes all over the place. It seems like to add just a little bit more depth, you could have used them. Here, But again, I'm not sure I would have wanted to give them a whole lot of time. And then you go to the action sequences, which, by the way, usually action sequences have, you know, they, they have a path to them and they make sense and they just sort of show up when they're needed. It seems like this thing just threw out action sequences for the sake of action sequences. And they weren't even that good, by the way. That's the problem here is that you gave us these action sequences and they, a lot of them weren't as good as you'd come to expect from the brand of The Witcher. You know, you set a certain level of expectations with this thing. And again, not the fault of the actors, okay? I'm not even sure I fault the stunt team, the stunt performers themselves. I'm just not sure anybody was given much to work with here is my problem. And when I am just completely checked out in this, of this story within the first, like, 30 minutes of it, that's a problem, especially when you got three more episodes to go. Now you power through, or at least I did. I know some people that probably didn't, but I powered through this thing thinking, okay, there's got to be something here that I'm missing, something here that I'm waiting on that I'm not getting. What is it? And it just never showed up. I'm not sure that I really need to waste too much more time talking about this, actually, because it was a mess, and I'm not making a mess of my show to talk about a mess of another show, The Witcher Blood Origin, a huge swing and a miss for Netflix. It felt like this was thrown together just to give us more Witcher content while we wait for the next season of the main Witcher series, And it, which is funny because the, the anime movie that they put out was very good. This, not so much. Didn't need to be done. Fell way short of expectations for me anyway. I'm not going to tell you not to watch it if curiosity gets you and you see something I don't. Go ahead and tweet me. Find me. Tweet me. Tell me what I missed because I'm not sure I can go back through this thing again. The Witcher Blood Origin just didn't work for me. Maybe it works for you. That's going to do it for my, I guess, just bludgeoning of The Witcher Blood Origin. Let's see if Netflix had better luck. I'll talk about more Netflix in a second, but I want to go to Prime Video to talk about Jack Ryan. Season 3 will do that next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hello, this is Ennis Esmer from Blindspot on NBC and you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. The one thing we got over the holiday weekend was a lot of streaming of government type espionage spy type series. So I want to start with what might be one of the best ones of the last few years. Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan back for a third season finally 
on Prime Video. Now, this one was a little bit before the holidays, but you know, you, you got to give me this because again, I was playing a little bit of a catch, a little bit of catch. I mean, it was only December twenty first, so I do want to review this third season because I, again, this is one of those shows I've praised this show so many times over the years, and you want to talk about consistency, and it's not just because of John Krasinski as Jack Ryan, which, by the way, one of the more brilliant casting choices of Prime Video's history in putting out original series. I mean, you want to talk about nailing a casting. John Krasinski as Jack Ryan, probably the best one since Harrison Ford, and I'm not sure it's close. Honestly, he is that good as a young Jack Ryan. And in this third season, they bring Russia into the mix. They bring in a potential restoration of the Soviet Union. I'm not going to give you a ton of spoilers here, even if you haven't seen it, because it just gives you a disservice when you're trying to watch a show like Jack Ryan. So anybody that hasn't seen it yet, I don't want to do that to you. But I do want to be able to talk about this series. Now, you do have some familiar faces that are back. James Greer is back. You should know that by the trailer. There's a few others as well. And, you know, the chemistry between Greer and Jack Ryan is just off the charts great. So, and it's good to see Greer back at like almost 100% in this thing. There's actually a fun dynamic with them in the first couple of episodes that I think you're going to enjoy if you're a Jack Ryan fan. But what's brilliant about this show is it's always timely. It always knows which areas to focus on that kind of just kind of bump up against what we're going through in the world today. Maybe it's out of coincidence. Maybe it's out of, you know, you see the writing on the wall sort of thing. But, you know, with and, and we're not going to get political here, so don't worry about that. But, you know, the, there's certainly a plenty that's been going on with Russia, with the invasion of Ukraine and everything like that. So it's very timely that they're talking about this in the Soviet Union and the plans to potentially bring back the Soviet Union in this in this third season of this show so that they're trying to you know create some chaos that could eventually lead to Russia becoming the power that they once were. Now, if you didn't grow up in the Cold War era or you didn't grow up in, like, say, the 80s or anything like that, then you might not be too familiar with this. You probably did see it, probably at least a little familiar enough. But the Soviet Union was like you terrifying for so, so many years, decades even. I mean, if you know your history, you know that. And to think that that could somehow be brought back in any capacity keeps you on edge when you're watching this season. So if, you've, if you lived through it, you kind of understand what the stakes are, and when you understand how they're trying to do it, it makes it even scarier. But what's brilliant about this show and the way they put these things together is bringing the Czech Republic into the fold. It would have been really easy to, to use the Ukraine, and they do reference the Ukraine, but to bring the Czech Republic into this and the political tensions too between the Czechs and the Russians that are also involved here and the kind of... And the Czech president's relationship with her father plays into this thing as well. And I'm not going to give you really any spoilers there. But this huge, huge just reveal about that relationship at one point in the season. It just adds even more to the story. And it was so smart and so brilliant how they executed this storytelling. As far as I'm concerned anyway, I was locked in from the get-go, not just because it was Jack Ryan, but because you're automatically interested in what's happening. And what Jack has to go through this season is pretty incredible. He's already he's been through a lot in the past, and he's been, been in some tough spots. He's really in a tough spot in this season, and there's a couple of surprises that if they don't happen 
again, this is stuff I can't reveal to you regardless of whether you've seen it or not. If a couple of things don't happen in the first few episodes, I don't even know how Jack makes it through any of this. And I'm not saying he lives at the end of the series either, by the way. I'm not going to tell you that he ends he he ends the show on the winning side either. What I will tell you is that if a couple of events don't happen, it's not going to be Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan anymore because they're going to be doing it without him. That's how much peril that you think that he is in in this series. And you really get to see James Greer do his thing. James Greer is an underappreciated character, I feel like, in this Jack Ryan series because it's easy to focus on John Krasinski, but Wendell Pierce deserves a huge amount of credit for his role in this and just how smart James Greer is. We saw him struggle a little bit last season for health reasons, and this season, this is the James Greer you come to know and love, but man, did I, I couldn't stand Elizabeth Wright. And that's the station chief for Rome. She's she's in this was as well. She's a part of this whole thing, but it, it's it's amazing how certain people see Jack differently, and what Wright does in this season. Just oh, because you love Jack Ryan so much, you love this character, and what she does to him, whether directly or indirectly, however you want to however you want to look at it. It's just, it's, that's that's one that you're going to just go, now is there redemption there? You'd have to watch and find out. But the tension in the beginning and how she approaches Jack in general, you'd think that by now Jack will would have built up enough of a reputation, right? But I guess not for some people. But what's interesting is, is that this is one of those shows where, not looking at my phone, I'm, it's one of those where you look at to see what time it is. You're like, can I get one more episode in? That is the mark to me of a great show. And it wasn't a story that I feel like I figured out about halfway through. There was always something that I had to be on edge about. There was always something that I was like, okay, where are they going to go with this? Even when you get reveals or even when you see a couple of minor things coming, sometimes it either flips you on your head or you go, oh, well, Okay, well, so that how are they going to make this happen? How is this actually going to get to where it needs to go? And th- this show just finds a way to always keep you interested. And that's not easy to do. Even with just eight episodes, that is not an easy thing to do. So there was just so much about this show that worked so well. And I got to point out Nina Haas as well, who played Elena Kovac, who was the president of the Czech Republic in this series. And my goodness, does she do a fantastic job. I thought that she really added something to this season. And quite frankly, there's there's a huge reveal that has to do with her and somebody else on her team that makes a huge difference in the story. And it's one of those light bulb moments in the show where it goes over your head and you go, oh, okay, so where is this going to go? And that adds even more tension too. So I just can't praise this show enough. Honestly, I think that this is one of those shows that I wish could go on forever, and we know it's not going to, unfortunately. And that's got nothing to do with with you know Amazon Studios or Prime Video or anything like that. This is just a show that's that's ending. It's it's run its course, unfortunately. And it, it, it's it, I wish these characters could just stay together for so so long. And I, I'm just happy that we got as many seasons of Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan as we did. Make sure you're streaming it. And whether you've already seen whether you've already seen Jack Ryan or not, 
or if you want to start, just binge it from the beginning if you haven't yet. If you haven't watched Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, you need to do yourself a favor. This is a show that's been well done from the beginning, and I I loved every single episode of it, so hopefully you do too. That's going to do it for my spoiler, I guess-ish, review of Season 3 of Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. Up next, we'll kind of stay in the spy realm. This time I want to talk about Treason, the Netflix series with Charlie Cox. He steps out of the Daredevil costume. We'll see him in something very, very different. I'll talk about that next. I'm James Witham. This is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm writer Margaret Scott, and this is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Sometimes getting that promotion does come with a cost. Treason is now streaming on Netflix. It's a limited series starring Charlie Cox and many others. I want to give you my spoiler-free review of this one, too, because this is another one of those you know, government agency type, you know, there's a lot of twists and turns type shows and, you know, you don't know who you can trust sort of thing. So I want to give you, because it deals with MI6, so I don't want to give really any spoilers if you haven't seen this one yet. Again, this is one of those that, you know, one little spoiler could spoil the whole thing for you, so I'm not going to do that. But Charlie Cox plays a character, Adam Lawrence, basically groomed by MI6. You think his career is on the right path, you know, he's the right hand of the control, and all of a sudden, you know, he's the guy. And you know that by the trailer, too, by the way. That's, that's not a spoiler at all. But, you know, Adam's got a little bit of a past. And in the form of Kara, who's a Russian spy that he has a past with. I'll just put it that way. And she certainly proves to be a problem when he ends up being the top man out of after what happens to his boss. And then things get really, really complicated. And basically, Adam is constantly, constantly trying to figure out either A, what's going on, or B, why he should be looking over his shoulder. By the way, he also has a family. His wife, Maddie, also trying to figure out what's going on with her husband. Is he just stressed out because of this new job? Is there more to it going on? And then something happens with their family. I won't tell you what that is, but something happens with the family, and that just leads to all hell Breaking Loose. Now, this show has a lot of moving parts, and I will admit this. This was another one of those shows where, you know, there were some tropes involved, and you're going to get that with spy series and agency series like this one in movies as well. And the first episode, ah, I was a little bit, it was a little slow for me. There were a couple of little leaps that were taken, but I thought, you know, okay, let me peel the onion here. Let me let me see if this gets a little bit better. And second episode did, it was the third episode though, third of five, I should tell you, that really hooked me and made me want to finish the series out. So if you get yourself to episode three, that's where the big aha wow moments happen. Now there's some decent stuff that happens in between, before that, but it's episode three that really is the catalyst to push this thing forward. If they could have gotten some of what they put in episode three into episode two, I think it would have been easier to get locked in faster. They were building on, they were building towards something though. They just really, it was a slower burn than it probably should have been for a show that was five episodes. But then you look and see what the Witcher Blood Origin did and they were all over the place. This show did not make that same mistake. Treason was a show that said, okay, this is our story. This is how we want to execute it. And we're going to play this game out. We're going to play the long game and hope the audience sticks with us. And I'm here to tell you now that you need to stick with this show. Is it slow in the beginning? 
Sure. Does it have its problems in the beginning? Sure. But there, it will be worth it once you get to episode three and what happens, what's going on with Adam and Kara and their complicated relationship. There's a lot of good depth there. The only thing that frustrates me is that a, there are characters that make some really stupid mistakes and they, you know, like trusting the people that you absolutely 100% as a viewer, know they shouldn't trust. Now, when everything's hitting the fan and it's happening to you, are you going to make mistakes because you're stressed out? Maybe, probably. It's really easy sitting here watching something like this, watching something that's happened to, happening to somebody you care about and knowing that you'd make the right choices, right? Who do you trust? Now, that's a matter of opinion and a matter, a matter of subject and history you have with someone and all that stuff. How, how you determine how you trust somebody is, is different for everyone. But there are frustrating moments in this show where you go, wow, really, that's what we're doing. That's what you're going to do. And now that's really going to screw this person over sort of thing. And again, this is me trying to avoid spoilers here. So there were very much some frustrating moments there. There all other thing that kind of got me was, is that I was finding a hard time trying to figure out who I'm rooting for, who the good person is, who the good guys are, so to speak. Who is it that's doing right here? Because it kind of felt like in moments, everybody was doing wrong. It seemed like nobody was really on the side of good and that no matter where you looked, somebody was doing something that was either shady or you're like, I don't know that you should be doing that. Or like, that's a really stupid thing to do or whatever. It just seemed like I was always searching for who I ended up wanting to root for. And it often changed a little bit. Now, maybe that's a good thing that it wasn't always, okay, so here's who I'm rooting for from the beginning. Like, let's, let's say Adam, for example. And I'm that, again, this is me trying to give you not no spoilers, but let's say you decide from the beginning, your team, Adam, you're going to stick with Adam no matter what. Okay. You, you probably could if you wanted to, but then certain events play out that might make you question that. You could say the same thing about Maddie. You could say the same thing about Cara, Didi. Uh, Audrey Gatz, who's played by Alec, Alex Kingston, who I who I love, but there's certainly some complications for her there as well. I feel like as viewers, you kind of have to have at least that one person where you go, "This is who I'm rooting for. This is who I hope makes it out of this thing." Okay, this is who I want to win in the end. And I really, really struggled with who that was. Now, are there some really good twists in the last few episodes? Episode between episodes three and five, three through five. Yeah, there are. There was a couple of pretty good surprises. And there was only one reveal of a the person who the double agent was. I will tell you that much. It was certainly a surprise, but I'm like, okay, there was a little there was an Easter egg in the very beginning that should have raised your radar on who the double agent is if you were really paying attention and once you find out who it is, you remember that moment and you go, that's why they said that. That's why they dropped that little nugget of information. And it's a very, it's a very innocent moment where you're not really thinking about it at the time. And then once you find out what you find out, you go, that's the reason they said that. So just, it's one of those series where you've realized you've always got to pay attention and it has a very interesting ending for a limited series. It seems a bit open-ended for me. I, I will say that. 
But this is one of those things where I'm glad I stuck with it because if I didn't, I would have missed out on something that ended up being a pretty darn good story with some very good character work. There's not a ton of actual like action in this. It's more of like a near miss type of thing or more of like a cat and mouse game than it is like an action-packed series. So this is from the creator of Bridge of Spies. So that should kind of give you the idea of tonally and story-wise where they're going with this thing. So while there's some very good character work by a lot of great actors in this show, don't expect it to be like action-packed throughout. And that's not necessarily a mark against it either. That's not necessarily a bad thing. So I wouldn't say that at all. But I will tell you this. Treason is a show that is rising on the Netflix charts for a reason. And it's one that you should, I think you should at least give it a shot. But you've got to get to episode three. If you can't make it to episode three, then you're really not going to be able to appreciate this series for what it is. Treason now streaming on Netflix. Let me know what you think of it. That's going to do it for my spoiler-ish review. Again, that's just where we're going to be at for this. Not many spoilers revealed at all of treason from netflix i'll stay with netflix and keep the reviews rolling we'll talk about noah centineo and the recruit talk about his new show next on the down and nerdy podcast hi this is a uh, rioter ryan parrot and you're listening to the down and nerdy podcast sometimes you might get in over your head at work just hopefully you're not working for the cia the recruit is now streaming on netflix and i will say this is a show that i kind of took a chance on because i wasn't sure how it was going to be tonally i had i'll be honest i hadn't even watched the trailer yet, but I'm like, oh, I like Noah Centineo, and I thought it might be based on the movie with, I think it was Colin Farrell and Al Pacino from years ago, so I'm like, alright, so they're making a series out of it, this ought to be interesting, and of course Noah Centineo's character of Owen is a lawyer for the CIA, and once you start watching the show, it's like, wow, you know what? This show doesn't take itself as seriously as it could, and that's a good thing, by the way. There's some humor in this, there's some lightheartedness. There's a lot of very interesting and quirky characters that are a part of this show, especially at the CIA office. And you get to see, like, Owen is very new to this world. This is like his second day on the job. And they kind of throw busy work at the new guy. And then that busy work, in the in that busy work, there's some really, something really important there that needs the agency's attention. So this huge case sort of just falls in to Owen's lap. And then he that's kind of how things set off for him. And then he has to deal with it. And then the whole entire agency kind of ends up having to deal with it. He climbs the ladder very, very fast, whether he wants to or not. And it makes it a very, very interesting. And it's sometimes kind of manic story in a weird way, but not in, not in a bad way story-wise. I don't want to say that the story's all over the place because it's not. It's very linear and very well thought out, at least I think it is. But there's hijinks involved here as well. But again, not as goofy as it sounds. So this show really toes the line of being serious and not serious. And that is a tough thing to do, to bring something interesting, but also bring entertainment value to the table. That's not usually things that can play together very easily and I feel like the recruit really balances that out well for the most part are there times where you can get a little bit goofy yeah there were a couple of episodes where you go wow that's a left fielder that you know I wasn't really expecting that 
maybe didn't need to be a part of the story. But then there were also kind of, you know, side things that made character moments matter more and really built up on some of the characters like Owen and Lester's relationship, for example, if you want to, once you watch the show, you'll understand what that means. But everything always comes back to the Max Meladze story and Laura Haddock does such a great job playing Max Meladze in this show. And she's been the one that basically is threatening to spill secrets. And how does she know these secrets and what is she planning to do about them and who can they take down and certain things like that. Those are the sorts of things that you're starting to find out. And then you start to find out, you know, how deep does this run in the agency and who's involved and, you know, who's good and who's bad, who's dirty, who isn't sort of thing. There's a lot of working parts. And at the center of this whole thing is Owen just trying to stay, keep his head above water and stay alive. And are the reasons that he's taking chances that he's taking, maybe you peel the onion there as well. But you know, he's got his friends, Hannah and Terrence, that are by his side. And he's got a little bit of a history with Hannah that you find out as the show goes on, but it's, it's interesting to watch those characters humanize Owen and sort of bring him back to earth a little bit and be that like safe spot that he can get to when things are just getting to be way, way too much for him, especially once these higher ups start getting involved. But there's a lot of very interesting characters in these offices as Matt Janice Ferber is, is another one that I really love played by Christian Brune. That is a character that I loved just because of how crazy he was, you know, just basically just from working in the agency for as long as he has that you don't see him often, but when you do always entertaining, it's just, it's just so well cast and so well put together. And I'm so glad I really took a chance on this show because it's, again, it gives you that spy drama type feel, but it also gives you a little bit of entertainment, a little bit of a few things to laugh at here and there. And again, one of the things I said about treason was it's hard to find somebody that you're rooting for in this. It's hard to realize who's the good guy. You're going to root for Owen from the beginning, in the middle, in the end. You're, you're going to root for him throughout. That That is one thing this show does well is it builds Owen up as the, this is the guy I want to root for. For this reason. Now, does he make mistakes? Sure. But again, it, literally, he says in the show at one point, I'm 24, I'm supposed to make mistakes. And it almost like it's like like the writer's room of the show is like, let's let's remind them of that. Let's let them realize that. Because he does do some dumb stuff that even if you've never worked for like the CIA or anything like that in your life, you're going, oh, dude, you can't do that. So... But again, he's new. He has no idea what he's doing. And this fell in his lap. He didn't ask for any of this. It just sort of happened to him. Especially in, in the beginning when he's sort of like, you know, you haze the new guy sort of thing. So he also has to deal with that. There's just a lot that's going on for him. Not to mention he's got his own personal stuff that he's dealing with as well. So there's so many things that could tear Owen down. And that's one of the things that really makes you want to root for him. And I've got to give Alexi Hawley, who's the creator of the show, a lot of credit because the balancing act that this show does writing-wise is great. And I think that the story itself really, really, I mean, it ends well, too, by the way. That final episode, the eighth episode, was really, really good and really helped set the stage. This is one of those shows, again, it came out in the middle of December. I admittedly missed it just 
just sort of ended up popping up. I took a chance on it. And that's why I wanted to talk about it now because you might have missed it too, and all of the, you know, everything that went happened with the holidays, and maybe you, there was uh, there were other shows or movies that you're watching. You certainly have plenty of options. Don't let this one slip by you as something that you miss because the recruit is very well written. It's very entertaining. It's got a good linear story with some very very cool characters that I think you're really gonna dig. Put this on your Netflix list. I think you're going to thank me later. The Recruit is now streaming on Netflix. Done a lot of TV talk this week. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Going to get back to some interviews starting next week. Got some great stuff lined up for you already for the beginning of this year. Make sure you're following along on social media at Down and Nerdy 757 on Twitter and Instagram at Down and Nerdy Pod on TikTok. We're going to have a little more fun on social media this year and going forward. I can tell you that much right now and at Down and Nerdy on Facebook as well. You can always find all that at downandnerdypodcast.com. You can also catch our link tree, which is linked in bios on social media too, by the way. And always subscribe on your favorite podcast app. That really, really helps out as well. Just a quick reminder though, as we enter 2023, you never have to apologize for being a nerd. Let your fan flag fly and be good to your fellow nerds. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.